Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. And this is to go towards things that are more um, sort of the fabric of the building, the bricks and mortar, as it were. So for those locations of Alive that have um, a physical building, much of that will go towards kind of repair and upkeep of that building. But for those locations like us, where we uh, don't own a building, we're not in a building that needs repair, it means that we can invest that finance into things that go within the building that help us to create an atmosphere where we can come in and worship well together, where we can build community together. So like Stuart said on the video, I just want to thank, uh, thank you all for your investment and your faithfulness in Rise and Build over the last year. If you think back to a year ago, if you were with us a year ago, and we were meeting uh, in the Baptist church, we were sharing a building with them, and we had our service in the afternoon. And we had a vision that we wanted to move our service time to a morning so that we would be able to, uh, it'd be better for families and people to come in and be part of it because four o'clock wasn't ideal for those guys. And we believed that in order to grow, we needed to move our service time. We had a vision for that. And so um, a year ago, as part of Rise and Build, we announced that we were going to be moving into this building and we were going to be moving our service time. And we've seen incredible fruit from that. We now have loads of kids and families running around that we just weren't accessible to before. And the finance from Rise and Build went into allowing us to make that move. It went into uh, allowing us to be able to have a service in here for these things that, um, like the stage and the screen and stuff for in the cafe and things that we needed when we moved and rise and build helped us to finance that it bought physical things that helped us to see the outworking of a vision that we had because you see rise and build isn't about giving so that things can be bought for the sake of it it's about giving so that the vision can be resourced it's about giving so that we can create an environment where we can welcome people well into an environment that we're proud of, an environment where we're able to lift God high, where we're able to see him glorified, where we're able to build community together, where we're able to have great kids work, for example. So this week, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at how the practical vision of the church is something that is uh, that we should all be interested in. It's something to get excited about and how it's something that as we partner in, we will see great fruit from, as we've seen over this last year. So I'm going to pray before we start. Lord, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are over all things, you are in all things, you are through all things. I pray that as we speak this morning about what it is to partner with you in your vision, that you will stir something in us, Lord, and that you'll get us excited for the fruit and the blessing that you're going to bring over this next year. Amen. Amen. So we are going to be looking at two stories this morning, both from the Old Testament. So uh, there are two different kings, one guy called Joash and one guy called Josiah. And the stories, the accounts of these two kings are um, outlined in the book of two kings, but also in the book of two chronicles. So Kings and Chronicles are very similar books, really. Um, they're both, they both tell a lot of the same accounts, a lot of the same stories of what went on. Um, and it's really great for us because it means we get two perspectives on some of the same events. It's similar if you think about like the Gospels, how we have four Gospels that tell 
very similar events. Kings and Chronicles are kind of like that. They run parallel to each other. So we're going to be looking at the story of King Joash, which is in 2 Kings 12, but in 2 Chronicles 24, and of King Josiah, which is in 2 Kings 22 and 2 Chronicles 34. And I'm going to be focusing mainly in Chronicles this morning, but I just wanted to let you know about the fact that they're also written about in Kings. So these two kings, they... um, reigned about 150 years apart from one another. King Joash reigned first and then King Josiah reigned later on. And they both reigned over the southern kingdom of Judah. So under King Saul and King David and King Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was united. It was one kingdom. But then um, after that, it split into two territories. So the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And it's Judah that these two kings were ruling over. And Judah is where Jerusalem is. Jerusalem is in the south. And so it's also therefore where the temple is or where the temple was in Jerusalem. Now, the temple for the Jewish people is so fundamental, so important to uh, everything about their lives. It's where the presence of God lived. It was where they met for festivals and things, but also just to meet there. It's where they would take their children to be dedicated. It was where community was built. It really was the central focus of their entire lives and their entire faith. Those that didn't live in Jerusalem would make the journey to Jerusalem to the temple for festivals we've seen on the screen I think we've got a list of different things that the temple is referred to as through the scripture it's the temple of the Lord house of God father's house house of my glory house of prayer there's so many things so many purposes to the temple it was so important And so these two stories, these two accounts of Joash and Josiah, they follow a very similar trend, a very similar story thread, although they are 150 or so years apart. They're both kings who are living in a time where the temple is in need of some repair, in need of some love, in need of some restoration. And they were both kings who loved God, who saw this need for the temple to be repaired and who took steps, who took actions for the temple to be restored. In fact, that's one of the very first things we read about both of these kings, it says that they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That's one of the first things we come to know about them. And because they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, it shifted their focus onto God, onto bringing restoration to the temple so that the focus of the nation could be restored and brought back to focusing on God. That was what they saw as important because of where their focus was what they were doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord and what was right in the eyes of the Lord was to bring these people back into line with what God wanted for them they wanted a place where people could worship God and could build community together and we live in a different time now don't we we um we live in a time where Jesus has been and walked on this earth and died and rose again and we have the Holy Spirit living within us and we have a different understanding of what all this is we know that God no longer resides within a building but resides within each one of us the building church is not the be all and end all I suppose that it would have been and that it is for the um the Jewish nation because we have a different understanding of that Don put it really well I thought although I am biased on um Tuesday when he said that when people come to a live Newark they don't find home in Magnus School Hall they find home amongst a body of people who they can call family who they can call church and that is our understanding of what 
what this is. It's not about the building, but that doesn't mean that the building ceases to be important. We still need a place to, um, to meet. We still want to create an environment that is, that is good, that is excellent, that is honoring God, where we can come together and worship together. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus taught in the temple courts. Jesus was taken as a baby to the temple to be dedicated. That building was still important and it still is important. The early church still met in the temple courts. The building isn't the focus. The having a place to worship and a place to build community is the focus. And that was the focus for Joash and Josiah as well. Because when we're doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord, our focus shifts to the house. But we need a vision for what the house can be and what the house should be. And Joash, Joash and Josiah, they're very similar names and there's lots of hush, hush, hush noises. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Joash and Josiah had, had both had a vision for what they saw the temple to be. If we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning, though we will nip into Joash's story as well in uh, 2 Chronicles 24. But in 2 Chronicles 34, reading from verse 3, this is to do with King Josiah, and it says, In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars and so he purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, son of Aziliah, and Maaseiah, <laughs> sorry, the ruler of the city, with Joah, son of Joaz, the recorder, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. We see Josiah then, he's a young guy, and he has this vision for the nation that he's ruling over to be free of worship of other gods and for the temple to be restored and become the center of the community again. We see him sending people to break down the Asherah poles and to break the altars that were being used to worship other gods. And he then, after he'd done that, after he'd cleared the ground, he then set about making sure that the temple was restored and rebuilt. Because Josiah had a heart to see God worshipped. He had a heart to see a place restored where people could worship God and where they could begin to build that community again with the temple at the centre of it. And that is our heart for Newark as well that we would have a place where we can worship God together and where we can build community together. And that actually is the focus of two of the main areas that we're uh, wanting to invest in in Rise and Build this year. You've got leaflets, hopefully, on your seats um, that start to outline some of what it is that we're wanting to invest in this year. So I'd encourage you at some point over this next week, have a read, have a read through that. You see, we are not in a building, like I said, that needs repair. 
we um, use the Magnus School Hall and we are so incredibly blessed by this school. I can't even begin to explain to you how blessed we are, how the hand of God has been over us in our moving to Magnus right from the start, right through to where we are now. The use that we have of this wonderful building and the rooms that we have for kids and the facilities that we have here and the relationship that we have with the school is invaluable and astounding. It's incredible. And it also means that at this time where we're using this incredible building, we get to focus on what goes inside the building rather than having to worry about repairing the building around us. You see, we are thousands of years in time from Joash and Josiah. We are in a very different circumstance to them, but our heart is the same, that we can create an environment where people can worship God together and can build community and church together. So Joash and Josiah had a vision for what they wanted the temple to be like for that restoration. And we have a vision for a live church as well. If that's not something that you uh, are familiar with, on the Connect area, we have leaflets that outline very clearly what the vision is for a live church. It's so important that we have that written down and that we all know where it is we're going together. And that's our vision for a live church as a whole across all the locations. But we have a plan as well for what we want to see that look like here in Newark. And what we want to see that look like here in Newark is people being welcomed well, people coming in and finding home amongst a body of people, people being able to come into an environment of worship that is excellent, that leads them into the presence of God. We want to be able to create a place where our kids can come and learn about Jesus every week, where they can understand who Jesus is to them right from a young age. We want it to be a location where the gospel is preached, where we don't shy away from the truth of who Jesus is. We want to be a church where we see salvation, where we see people coming to know Jesus, and a church of discipleship, where we see people coming to understand that more and more as they continue to walk with him. We want to be a place where prayer underpins everything that we do, where it lays a foundation for everything that we do. We want to be a church where people can grow and flourish, where people can find home, where people can find safety. And it would be amazing if all of us were partners in that, if all of us were, um, yeah, were partners in wanting to see that vision and that plan come about. We wanted to be part of the mission that we're on together. But partnering in the vision requires a response. And we see that in the story of Joash. So if we nip back a couple of chapters to 2 Chronicles, chapter 24, from verse 8. The reading from verse 8, this is King Joash, and it says, At the king's command, a chest was made and placed outside at the gate of the temple of the Lord. A proclamation was then issued in Judah and Jerusalem, that they should bring to the God, bring to the Lord the tax that the Moses had. Ugh, what is going on? Let's try that again. A proclamation was then issued in Judah and Jerusalem that they should bring to the Lord the tax that Moses, the servant of God, had required of Israel in the wilderness. All the officials and all the people brought their contributions gladly, dropping them into the chest until it was full. So Joash shared his vision for what he wanted to see happen with the temple. He wanted to see it restored. And he issued a proclamation and he said, this is what we're doing, guys. And it says that all the officials and all the people came and they gave gladly. 
And that's the bit really that's important, the gladly part. And this is a theme that we see throughout scripture, this idea that God wants us to give because we want to and not because we have to, that he's interested in the heart with which we give. It's a theme and a principle that runs right back from Genesis all the way through into the New Testament. This idea that God wants the first and the best because he wants the first and the best of our hearts more than anything else. We read this in the story of Cain and Abel right back in Genesis chapter 4. I'm just going to read a small snippet to you. Genesis chapter 4 verse uh, 3 to 5. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. We see there two brothers who bring what on the face of it sounds like quite a similar offering. They're both bringing from what they have. But because Abel's heart was right, God looked with kindness and with gladness on Cain's, on Abel's offering. But on Cain's offering where he brought just some of what, it, the heart just wasn't right behind it. He brought just some of what he had. And God didn't look on favor with favor on Cain's offering. And we read in Corinthians where Paul is writing to Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 that each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I love that. This idea that we're not under any compulsion to do anything, to give anything, any time ever. It's what we decide in our hearts to give because God is more interested in that. He's more interested in us being cheerful about it than he is about anything else. And that doesn't mean that God loves us more if we give with one heart, not the other. God didn't love Cain more than he loved Abel or Abel more than he loved Cain. He loved them the same, but it pleased God when Abel brought an offering that was out of the first fruits of what he had. It pleases God when we give with a cheerful heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And we read that of the guys that gave when Joash was asking for uh, the temple to be restored. We read that everyone came, all the officials, all the people, they came and they gave gladly. They gave with a glad heart and it meant that the temple was able to be restored. And so for us, when we're thinking about Rise and Build and do we, do we want to give into it or not? How much do we want to give or not? That's something that we need to, I really think, line up with 2 Corinthians and be aware that actually... We need to give what we decide in our hearts to give, whatever that would be, and to give cheerfully because that is what is the most important. The amount is not important. The heart is what's important. But financial partnership is not the only way to partner in a vision. There are so many other ways that we can respond to a vision, so many other ways that we can partner. And one of these ways is prayer. I talked about a moment ago how important it is for everything to be underpinned with a foundation of prayer. And if that's something that you feel called to, if that's something that you feel you want to do, we would love it if we were all partners in prayer together for the vision and the plan that we're wanting to outwork here. If every day you were able to lift this church to God in your prayers and thank him for it and ask him for, ask him for his blessing and to see an amazing outworking of him through this church. It's good to be a people who hear and catch the vision and then who respond to it. Because when we marry those two things together, vision and response, that's where we start to see God do some really cool stuff. That's where we start to see renewal. That's where we start to see fruit.
And we start to see this in Josiah back in 2 Chronicles uh, 34. I'm going to read from verse 14. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him. Your officials are doing everything that's been committed to them. They've been paid out of the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and the workers. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, Ahikam son of Shaphan, Abdon son of Micah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and, and Judah about what is written in this book and that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. So we see the king... Um, this book is found, they're sorting stuff out in the temple and the priest finds uh, the law of the Lord, the book that was written um, that outlines everything that God expects of the nation of Israel. They find this book and they take it to the king and read it to him and it turns out that they've not been following these rules. They've not been following them for maybe for generations and the king is, as he tore his robes, that kind of just means that he was absolutely distraught about the fact that this God who he was seeking to do right in the eyes of and it turns out that they've not been doing what they should have been doing and he's distraught and he sends a bunch of people to go and see a prophet. Her name is Huldah. They go to her and um, she basically says, this is bad guys, disaster is coming. Disaster is coming. But then from verse 27, she says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now I will gather you to your ancestors and you'll be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place and on those who live here. So then they go back to the king and they tell him it's bad news. But because of the way that you have responded to God, that's not what's going to happen for you. You're not going to see that disaster. And then we see something absolutely incredible happen. It says, then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes and decrees with all his heart and with all his soul and to obey the word of the covenant written in this book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to him. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors." So we see here in that passage, what is happening is the covenant relationship between God and his people is being restored. 
says that everyone came from the least to the greatest, all the priests, everyone that lived in Jerusalem, everyone that lived around came and their relationship with God was restored. We see Josiah, his eyes were on God. It says at the start that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He had this vision for the temple to which the people responded. And because of that, they were able to see the nation of Israel come back into a covenant relationship with God. They were able to see that restored. What an amazing treasure, what an amazing blessing that they came across and they found just because they responded to what God was wanting to do. I just think that's amazing. And I love as well that it talks about everyone from the least to the greatest being part of that blessing, being part of that restoration and renewal just because they decided to respond to what God was doing. They took a step of faith as a nation and God gave them a wonderful revelation. And that can happen for us personally as well, can't it? When we decide we want to partner with God on something, he blesses us. He pours out his goodness and his grace on us. We see more of him because our eyes are focused on him. When we take a step of faith, we see God do incredible things in us. We see God do incredible things through us. And we see God do incredible things for us when we take a step of faith. When our eyes are focused on him, he is able to bless us more than we could even imagine. And these are often things that we might not have seen if we'd not responded, if we'd not stepped out, if we'd not taken that step of faith. We might not have seen the things that God has for us. And that is certainly what happened here. They wouldn't have found that book if they'd not started to go about restoring the temple. The covenant relationship wouldn't have been restored if they'd not started to go about responding to God. So as individuals, we can see this, but can you imagine what we could see as a body of people if we all got this, if we all decided that we wanted to step out and respond, what God can release in a body of people when we choose to respond to him. With Josiah, we see such wide implications of his decisions. The fact that he as one person decided he was going to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord and he stepped out and did that. We see an entire nation of people's relationship restored with God. And that is a foreshadowing of what Jesus has done for us through one person having his eyes fixed on God, one person doing the will of the Father. We see an entire world that can be reconciled to God. I love that foreshadowing there. And we want to see this in Newark, don't we? We want to see renewal. We want to see restoration. We want to see a whole town of people come to know God. We want to see um, them being discipled and growing in their faith. We want to see the fruit of the spirit that we sang about this morning. And we're in the middle of Rise and Build. And what I'm not saying is that as we give into Rise and Build, the whole town will be restored. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's to do with our focus. It's to do with our eyes being fixed on God. Our, us, our hearts wanting to partner in the vision. Our hearts wanting to respond to what God wants to do. And then we can see the fruit and the blessing and the renewal because of that. And that will do good things for us personally. It will change our focus. It will show, it will just help us to shine a light on the things that God is doing in us. As individuals, it will be a blessing to us as a body of people that gather. We'll be able to see um, things happen in this building that bring us further into the presence of God, that equip our kids' church more, that kind of thing. We'll see that. We'll get to enjoy that. But also, as our hearts are for God, we'll be able to see it 
further out of these doors, people that aren't even sat next to us yet. Those are the people that we are impacting. Those are the people that we are um, blessing. Those are the people that we are hoping that God pours out his blessing on as we partner with him. Do you know, we have so much to look forward to here in Newark. As a life church in Newark, God has got plans bigger than we could ever imagine for this location. I firmly, firmly believe that, that we are only just getting started with what God has to do with us, what God has planned for us. If we saw the entirety of what God wants to do with us, we just wouldn't even take a step. But fortunately, that's not how God works. And I think that's what some of what Dom's planning on speaking about next week. So I won't do any spoilers. But God has got plans beyond what we could ask or imagine for this location. I, I cannot wait. I'm so looking forward to it. I'm scared and excited in equal measure for what God is going to do through this location. But we need to keep our eyes focused on him. We need to be doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. We need to understand and catch and partner in the vision of what we want to do with this location in Newark, that we want to see a town transformed by the love of Christ. And as we respond, we will see blessings beyond what we could imagine. I just, I just think that's amazing. And I want to pray into that this, this morning. And I said this afternoon. This morning, I want to pray into that, that we will see the blessing of God on this church. So why don't we close our eyes as I just pray about that. Lord, I thank you that you have a plan for us. That you have a plan for us as individuals. You have a plan to see us prosper. You have a plan to see us walk in your ways, Lord. But as a body of people, as a location of a life here in Newark, you have a plan for us that is beautiful, a plan for us that is wonderful, a plan for us that is beyond anything that we could ask or imagine. Lord, I thank you for in advance for the fruit and for the blessing that we are going to see from this church, Lord. I thank you in advance for the salvation that we are going to see. I thank you in advance for the people that are going to be with us in heaven because of what you are doing with this location, Lord. I pray that we get excited about that. I pray that you stir something up in us about that, that you set a fire in us, that we just want to go and do good things for you, Lord, that we want to respond in whatever way that we can to the plans that you have for us, Lord. You are good and we love you. We want to serve you. We want to see your will be done here in this town, Lord. Help us keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. And every week as well, we like to give an opportunity for people, if they've not yet accepted Jesus as their Lord and as their Saviour, we give an opportunity every week for people to do that. So if that's a decision that you want to make today, that is incredible. It's the best decision you will ever make. And we want to stand with you and we're all going to pray this prayer together that will be on the screen. We do this every week. We're going to pray it together out loud. And if it's a decision that you're making today that you want to accept Jesus for the first time, I'm just going to ask you when everyone's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed that you just raise your hand. And it's just so that uh, one of my friends can come and chat with you and pray with you and explain a bit more about the decision that you've made. But first, we're going to pray this prayer together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. 
I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.